0: Well, good afternoon. As Joel said, I'm Craven Hudson. I'm one of the elders on the team, and we, it is our idea to share the duties of pastor. Of course, Joel is our lead pastor; will be primarily the one who will be leading sermons. But it's my privilege today to take us into this next encounter that we're going to look at—the encounter Jesus has with Nicodemus, found in John three, that Samantha just read. You know, last week we looked at the calling of the first disciples, and. As you just heard, Samantha, there is a lot happening in this encounter with Nicodemus. And for all of that to make sense, we really need some context. We need more context from how did we get from calling the first disciples to this time at night where Jesus is meeting with disciples. A lot of things have happened since calling the first disciples. Hey, there was a a little miracle of turning the water into wine at Cana. There was also Jesus coming as a good Jewish man himself with his family to the Passover in Jerusalem, finding a system that was wrong of selling doves and taking advantage of people for animal sacrifices, and he cleansed the temple. I mean, these are a lot of things that happened before we get to this with Nicodemus. And you just have to wonder, what in the world is this going to be? As we look at this encounter with Nicodemus, you know, John doesn't use lots and lots and lots of words. You're going to find at the end of John, it says, hey, we could, have, we, couldn't, we could fill the world with the books that could be written about what Jesus has done. But these are written so that you may believe that he's the Son of God. So what happens at the end of 2 is very, very important before we get to the first part of chapter 3. And as we look at that, it says, Jesus cleansed the temple and after that happens we're told that many believed in his name when he saw the signs he had done signs plural and we're not given those John doesn't go into all the detail he did this on Monday he did this he did this we just know that signs were done and many were believing they said this is amazing who is this and believing and we get that look at Jesus Though at the, end of verse, at the end of chapter 2 when he says, But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in man. He himself knew what was in man. And in the, in the Bible we have, there's a big chapter break. But guess what? In the original transcript, there's no break there. And it goes from, he knew it was in man, and then we pick up, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. It's just quick transition right there. And we need to know a little bit about Nicodemus to, for this encounter to just really grip us. So well, let's look at Nicodemus. He said, a ruler of the Jews, a Pharisee. So we know the Pharisees are the legalists. They're the ones that are the rule makers and keepers and making you feel like you should keep the rules. And that's who he was. Also a ruler. So we we can take from that that he was also part of the Sanhedrin. If you look at the Sanhedrin, they had the responsibility of what does this system need to continue to look at? They were, in our system of checks and balances with the legislature, the judiciary, and the executive, they would be like the Supreme Court. Like, this is what the law says, people. This is what we have to follow. So this is not just an ordinary rabbi. This is a ruler. He is elevated, and, and he comes to Jesus. And we, as Joel talked about last week, all other religions or man's effort to get to God by our own works. What can we do? Striving, striving, climbing this hill, climbing this hill, trying to reach God, but not making it. And that's all the religions. But we, Christians, Christianity, is God came down. We couldn't reach Him by our works, but He came down to us. And as John said in the very beginning, the Word became flesh And dwelt among us. That's how much God loved us that he came. So here's Nicodemus. And what does he do? Well, Nicodemus seeks out Jesus. I love it. It says, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things unless God is with him. He comes at night. So Jesus is a seeker. Possibly... Possibly he's in that little group that's mentioned at the end of chapter 2, that they believed in the signs. Maybe he's like, okay, this is really different than what we're doing. And, and he, on his initiative, sought out Jesus. Now, it said he came at night. I think we can honestly jump to the conclusion that he didn't want his other Pharisee buddies to know he's doing this. Yeah, he wants to have an audience with Jesus, this one who's caused quite a stir. This one who's doing things nobody else ever does. But he didn't want to be found out about that. So he goes to Jesus at night. And I love last week when Joel showed the little clip from The Chosen. Think about that. If you, can, if you were here last week, think about that. And that was first century Jerusalem. Kind of dark at night. Not big LED lights. Not lights, fluorescents and all this. So when you had a lamp and you had a lantern, you had the light that these two people needed. So think of that as being the setting. Kind of an intimate setting. Jesus, Nicodemus, little lamp burning. Okay, are we are we thinking about that? And and Nicodemus has says, we know, meaning we, us religious people, we know. You know, and he's even calling like Rabbi, like we think you're one of us. We think you're one of us. Nobody could do this unless God was with them. And he's made a very correct statement. He says, only God could do this. He's right. He's still searching. He's still thinking. But remember, Jesus, in one of his attributes, is omniscient. So he certainly knows everything that's on Nicodemus' heart. Everything that led him to come seek him. Everything that came to draw him in to meet him at night. And Jesus knows that. He knows Nicodemus' heart. So Nicodemus goes straight to the heart of the matter. And what I love about this passage is anytime, anytime Jesus says, truly, truly, we should say, this is really, really important. He could be translated, most assuredly, or, hey, listen to me closely. And that's what Jesus does. And he says, hey, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Just that short phrase. And Nicodemus just does not have a reference for this you, you got to be born again to be in the kingdom of God wait a minute I am a part of the kingdom of God I'm a Pharisee I'm in the Sanhedrin the Jews are a part of the kingdom of God we do these things we are your chosen people what are you talking about he just doesn't let's be fair to him he just can't absorb this he just has no reference for it in his works-based system. That Guess what? He's a part of the direction of those works. He's on the group that sets up all of these things that people are a burden to follow. And so he really doesn't have a way to do that. Unless we want to get a little hard on Nicodemus, just think about ourselves for just a minute. Have we ever kind of put some things into place that make us feel Right? or have some type of righteousness just from some behaviors or activities that we do. And I'll, I'll give you an example. If that, that doesn't really just jump at you like, well, I do this, I think I do that. I'll give you a really good example from when I was a teenager. And, you know, one thing in the little small rural community I grew up in, in Virginia, Virginia, little farming community, a lot of things were the same. A lot of people were the same. It, just about everybody knew was in church with us or cousins. Okay? And on a Sunday afternoon, there were things in that culture, in that culture that you did not do on Sunday no not a chance on one of those Sundays my older brother and I are thinking you know what we need to improve the pitcher's mound on a baseball field that we've built behind our home in the pasture we really need to improve this pitcher's mound how do we do that well let's hook up the tractor and the trailer get some shovels go to the other end of the garden get some more dirt to put on the pitcher's mound to make it better so we fire it up and here we go Well, my grandmother and Aunt Audrey were on the front porch of her home, which was where they normally were on Sunday afternoons. And in that culture, there was quite a bit of cousins coming over to visit and going to the other place and visiting. And that's what you did on Sunday afternoons. It was great for older folks, kind of not good for us, teenagers. But anyway, we're over there going hard at it, digging, working. We're working. But it's working for fun that we want to help our pictures mount out. And we hear my grandmother in her her way, Craven, Tyler, and she hollers this. And we know what we're supposed to do, but we know that she's too dignified to come out there and get any closer. She's not going to leave the porch to come tell us what to do, so we ignore her. Probably not the best decision he and I had ever made, but we made that decision. And, you know, my dad later on, I think he kind of sized it up. They, they weren't really hurting anything. But what, what's the issue there? Here's the issue. In that community, if my grandmother thought our neighbors heard the tractor running, That would mean the Hudsons were doing work on Sunday afternoon, and we don't do that. So think about Nicodemus. He's got this whole system that he is a part of and really in charge of in many, many ways. So Jesus goes on. He says, and and when Nicodemus says, well, how can this be? How can a a man go back into his mother's womb? In, In essence, he's saying, this is impossible. Another true statement. You know, Nicodemus is not that far off. This is impossible. But Jesus is very, very generous with him. And Let's look at verses 5 and 6. Jesus answered, again, truly, truly, meaning this is incredibly important. Nicodemus, pay attention. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. This one exchange tear-downs. It just tears down the whole Jewish system of works and sacrifices and things like that. He's saying you have to be born, again, this impossible way, not a works way. And Nicodemus should, as a teacher, have known about the passage in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. Let me read that for you. I will take, from you, I will take you from the nations... So this is Old Testament. Nicodemus should have had an understanding that to be a part of the kingdom, God has to intervene. And if we read, if you had this in front of you, maybe you flip there real quick, but if you didn't, there's I will, I will, I will, over and over. The work is from God. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And so we get to verse 9. And again, Nicodemus is just like, can this be i mean just think if you're nicodemus this has just been and these few words from jesus have just been mind shattering really it's just upset everything he's known how can it be and here jesus whether it was a little bit pointed or not we don't know he says are you the teacher of israel and you don't understand these things you know, Nicodemus, I thought you you are one of the rulers. I mean, you're one of the teachers. This is new to you? You know, but I, I think in Jesus, I don't think it was a harsh way of, I think he was just kind of kindly saying that. Like, uh, Nicodemus, shouldn't, shouldn't this be coming to you? Let's look at verses 11 through 13. And again, Jesus, again, starts with truly, truly. Like, this is super important, Nicodemus. I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. So Jesus, right there, early in his public ministry with Nicodemus, a ruler of the Pharisees, right there in front of him, spills it all out. Here it all is, Nicodemus. This is all of it. There's no one that knows this except who has come descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Nicodemus, I am the Son of Man. I am the truth. I am God. I am right here. I am the Lord, Nicodemus. And so he explains salvation. You just can imagine what Nicodemus is thinking here. You just is like, oh my goodness. You know, Nicodemus is a think understanding parts of this, but we don't know. And, Nick, and Jesus gives him another great Old Testament illustration, and it's found in Numbers. And I'll, I'll just quickly tell you a story, but let's read what, Nick, what Jesus says first in 14 and 15, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. What Jesus is referring to is in Numbers, the story of the Israelites after they've been miraculously delivered from the Egyptians with every kind of supernatural thing that could actually happen. And they're, in the, and they're being fed from heaven daily. And they're grumbling. And they're saying, why did the Lord take us out here? Why is he letting us suffer like this? And the Lord decided that was enough. And he sent serpents among the people. And the serpents bit them, and many died. And then, guess what? Things were hard, so they repented. And they went to Moses and said, You've got to ask the Lord for relief. And and the Lord graciously did so. He said, fashion a bronze serpent, hold it up, and when the people look up to that, they will live. So in essence, they'll be saved from the poisonous bite they've just had. They will not die. So to be lifted up, could be exalted. That could be a translation for lifted up. It's also, though, lifted up. Jesus is foreshadowing, lifting his lifting up on the cross. And again, the Son of Man must be lifted up. And then verse 15, that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. Just think about that. He's telling Nicodemus, the Jewish ruler, whosoever looks up to me is going to have eternal life. That's Gentiles. That's everybody. Samaritans. That's everybody. Not just your folks, not just the Jews, Nicodemus. And then we get to the most well-known and quoted verse in the Bible, John 3.16. But let's look at 16 through 18 together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. What Jesus is saying is God so loved the world, God so loved humanity, Nicodemus, that's you, that's everyone. God so loved that he gave his only Son. And let's think again in first century culture. The firstborn son was everything. The firstborn son got the inheritance. The firstborn son was responsible for the carrying on of the family. The firstborn son had tremendous responsibility. He is the one that mattered in the family. And God gave his only son. I mean, Nicodemus would have gotten that. He would have fully gotten that. And just want to imagine what could be coming into his and then he says, and if they haven't, they've been condemned already. Well, Nicodemus would not have had a hard time with that because he knew the sacrificial system that he was in charge of was a repeated thing that people sinned, there had to be sacrifices. That's going to happen again. We're going to do more sacrifices. He understood God needed to have payment for sin, he understood that part. And then, but the most incredible news is now whoever believes, and it's in there, you can go back and look three times, whoever believes can be saved whoever looks to Jesus believing that he has already paid the penalty of sin is saved that person is now a part of the kingdom that Nicodemus is working so hard to be in to look to Jesus Jesus is the master teacher and he just really pauses there in this intimate setting with just he and Nicodemus he pauses there So what can we take from this encounter? Well, there's a lot to take, but here's just a few things. Nicodemus sought the Lord. He saw things happening. They were out of the ordinary. He was open to the fact, this is different, and he took action. So Nicodemus, we can't be too hard on the guy. He went and sought the Lord, and Jesus welcomed him. Jesus Has come down from heaven the word became flesh and this ruler that maybe many people in town despised because of the severity and the strictness and the burden that it was to, to manage in the system but Jesus welcomed him and then Jesus did the most incredible thing of all is he unveiled the entire reason for coming the entire way to be saved which is very basic that I am the one who has come down and if people will look up to me, they will be saved. And Jesus just paused because he knew Nicodemus had to have some time and space to take this in. You know, Jesus is all-knowing. He, he knew the struggle that, that Nicodemus was having in this encounter. So he just paused. He stopped. You know, there's a local ministry called the Great Exchange. And in the Great Exchange, we go on college campuses... Set up a tent, this is the Great Exchange. Set up a table, put literature, Bibles, books. It has a little sign that says, take survey, get book. Uh, And and then, though, there's a spiritual survey. And that's the way. And a lot of times the people that are volunteering from our local churches are folks that are like me, have a little gray hair, and are a little bit older than the average college student. And they want to engage with a spiritual survey, a spiritual interest survey. It's really phenomenal. Because really, it's a chance for young people to tell us some things, and we listen. And we have some questions to guide that conversation, just like the encounter with Nicodemus in a way, to open the door for conversation. And the last question is pretty amazing. And regardless of how the students may have answered questions one through eight, it says, if you could know God personally, would you like to? And again, regardless of how they've answered the first eight questions, overwhelmingly, students say, well, yes, absolutely. And then that gives the opportunity to maybe go a little deeper. And as we know, we're just planting seeds all the time. You know, we don't cause the harvest, but we're faithful to go plant seeds. Jesus graciously gave Nicodemus the answers. He gave him the whole thing. And the whole thing is this, and it's the same for us too. Look unto me and be saved. And he left it there with Nicodemus to ponder. The story will continue. Let us pray.